Hello and welcome to The Other Marthas, the show where a drama student and a film graduate try to make sense of things we wish we were qualified in instead. Quick disclaimer before we get started, we don't claim to be experts in any of the fields we'll be discussing, so while everything we say will be based on individual research, this is just a bit of fun and we suggest that you take everything we say with a pinch of salt. I'm Martha, I'm the drama student. And I'm the other Martha, the film graduate. So uh, Martha, what are we going to be discussing today? We are going to be talking about alleged lovers of queens that betrayed them. Oh, I say alleged because I don't like the great name of Elizabeth besmirched. Yeah, I don't really was mind. Was the virgin queen. That's true. I'm talking about Rasputin. I really don't mind him being besmirched a little bit. But um... Rasputin wasn't the virgin queen. <laughs> he was not the virgin queen. There were many, many ways in which he was not the virgin queen. And I'll delve into that when we get to my bit. But uh, do you I... want to start by telling me about your story? Yes, but I do think the Rasputin should be given the title the Virgin Queen actually I think I think it will be up for significant debate against things like the devil himself which he was thought to be by many a party anyway tell me about Essex Martha the second Earl of Essex Robert Devereux mm. one of history's proudest idiots I like to call him <laughs> quote me on that in your essays if you like I will thank you he comes up in drama all the time well <laughs> no not you I'm talking about all the people listening I'm sorry I forget we're not just having a chat uh, Robert Devereux Essex as he should be known Henceforth, because I am not good at pronouncing his name, was born in 1567, nine years into the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. So when he was nine years old, he became the Earl of Essex, the poorest Earl in England. Oh. <laughs> you can feel sorry for him, right. but however sorry you feel for him, he felt more sorry for himself. Guaranteed. Uh, I, yeah, fair enough. Oh, so sure. Essex's mother, Lettuce Knowles, what a good name, uh, remarried Robert Dudley, the Earl of Leicester, the Queen's favourite. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is true. I read it in a very old book. Not all of this. <laughs> Hopefully some of it will be true. Um, published, I think, around the 1930s. Wow, uh, fair. Called Elizabeth and Essex by Lytton Strachey. And then I, what lovely names all the people in this story have. Well, welcome to the Tudors. And then I, <laughs> I also backed some of it up with reading Elizabeth's Forgotten Years by John Guy. Mm. But John Guy, please don't come for me because while I did read some of the sentences you wrote, I don't claim that any of this is your words. Yeah. Do you think John will be okay with that? I reckon so. Mine's mainly Wikipedia, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had the books, so yeah, anyway, why not? Lytton told me that Elizabeth's nickname for <laughs> Lester was Eyes. Don't know why he was oh, called Eyes, but that was enough. his name. Being the stepson of Lester yeah. meant that Essex had a potentially great career at court. Yeah. Not only this, but he was allegedly very good looking and everyone fancied mm -hmm. him Fair including enough. the author of the book that i ah. read <laughs> allegedly no tea no shade to no, lytton not at all. so essex soon became one of the queen's favorites they were rarely apart she was 53 and essex barely even 20 he, i've mm. misphrased that he wasn't even 20 he was he a okay to clarify does favourite in this context mean implied lover? So in May 1587, all was mm -hmm. well. They would ride through the gardens together and they would play cards well into the night. Oh, okay. So, I see what you're saying. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, a contemporary gossip said, my Lord cometh not to his own lodging till birds sing in the morning. Now that's a lot of cards. Yes. And in the book, it's like they played cards and other sorts of games until <laughs> the early hours of the morning. And I was like, okay. Gotta love that charades. I mean, <laughs> it gets wild. <laughs> there is suggestion that he was spending the night in her chambers mm-hmm. alone. It might have been completely innocent. We don't know. We weren't there. However, Elizabeth never gave Essex a nickname. Poor Essex. Which meant that she didn't like him very much. She'd sometimes Mm. call him Robin, but it wasn't a proper nickname like Eyes. So I want to tell you about a couple of fun events that happened throughout their relationship. Mm -hmm. Just to give you a bit of context about what they had going on with one another. Okay, great. They all, and by they, I mean Walter Raleigh, Queen Elizabeth I, the Earl of Essex, and the Earl of Essex's disgraced sister, Lady Dorothy. Truly them all. Yes, <laughs> went on a little jolly to Lord and Lady Warwick's house. Elizabeth didn't like Dorothy because Dorothy had gotten married to someone and Elizabeth was like, I didn't want you to marry that man. I'm not happy about that. Raleigh, being like the little munchkin that he is, came up to Elizabeth and he was like, hey, Elizabeth, I think Essex has brought Dorothy here to annoy you. And so, no. I don't know what he said. I wasn't there. And Elizabeth was all like, hey, Dorothy, go and stay in your room for the rest of the holiday because I don't like you. And (laughs) yes, but she's the queen. She could kill Dorothy if she wanted. That's true. I guess she's being pretty nice. And then Essex was like, hey, Elizabeth, stop bullying my sister. And then Elizabeth insulted Lettuce Knowles. So they're arguing. And this was their first ever argument. And then Essex was like, fine, I'll send my sister home, even though it's midnight. And then he ran away to join the Dutch war. What? (laughs) Yeah all like same night and he said it's better to have a beautiful death than live this wretched life so so dramatic he's a drama queen and then elizabeth sent someone to fetch him back so he wouldn't (laughs) join the war i'm just liking the idea of like troops in holland all lined up ready to you know charge and then this this little english servant guy is just kind of winding through like sorry sorry hi do we have an essex here yeah, Elizabeth wants to see her, and then the charge just being like, do we, Jesus Christ, Essex. Yeah, and it wasn't that far. He didn't get to Holland. He didn't leave the country. Ah, so he was not really putting his money where his mouth was when he made that No, threat. he just, he scampered away, but he didn't go abroad. Not, not Holland away. No. <laughs> um, I don't even know how far he got, but yeah, um, after this... Elizabeth awarded Essex Leicester's titles, Master of the Horse and Knight of the Garter, which sounds <laughs> ruder than it is, I think. Okay, I don't okay. think. I think he was one of her like private knight people. Okay, okay. He guarded her person, and I think he helped her off her horse. Essex convinced Elizabeth to help the King of France when he was in a bit of a pickle. Um, <laughs> I think it was a revolt of some kind. And another quote from Lytton, he begged to be put in command of the force. He knelt for two hours, still she refused, then suddenly consented. Now, I would argue that if a man knelt before me for two hours and begged to go in, into battle, eventually I'd be like, okay, fine, go. 
<laughs> yeah, like, I can I'm see sick how that would wear you down. So the whole time this is going on, mm. Essex has a rivalry with the Cecil faction. And there's like all factions at court and Elizabeth has all of them on the Privy Council. So mm. then she can listen to all the arguments and then make a decision. Makes sense. And so he's on the Privy Council now in 1593. Meanwhile, in Ireland, there was the Nine Year War, which mm-hmm. started in 1594, England versus the Irish clans. England controlled uh. Dublin and the Pale, which is where the phrase beyond the Pale comes from. <gasps> no. Fun fact. So That's really cool. The Pale's kind of like the surrounding towns of Dublin, and then the rest is clan land. Okay. Would going beyond the Pale, is that like, oh, you've you've gone too far as in like if they try to invade beyond the pale it would be like no 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 that's not your land yeah and there's this one guy called o'neill the earl of tyrone who comes back into prominence later so elizabeth said to essex i'm gonna send your uncle to ireland and essex is like oh please don't send my uncle to ireland because then i won't have any friends at court oh no essex is like please don't send one of my allies send one of cecil's allies Mm. instead And then they argue, and this is where it gets so dramatic. They're all, like, Elizabeth and Essex are having an argument. Mm. Essex turns his back on the Queen. Oh, no. And then the book said she boxed his ears, which I believe means punched him in the head. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then Essex put his hand to his sword. Whoa, man. In I the mean, presence of the queen. Yeah, but, 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 whoa. We don't draw our sword to the queen. Well, I mean, he hadn't paid much attention to that before, to be fair. <laughs> I know, I was thinking that play. He shouted in her face, this is an outrage that I will not put up with. And then he ran away again. Oh, okay. He's so annoying, isn't he? <laughs> yes. So the outrage that he wouldn't put up with was the fact that she wouldn't agree to send one of his enemy's friends somewhere else rather than his friend. Yes, and also, Elizabeth was a clever woman, so she would have known what he was doing. Yes. The important part of this is that Elizabeth did not retaliate. People Mm. expected her to throw him in the Tower of London, to remove his position, but she did nothing. She was like, cool, that's fine with me. Mm -mm. Try and stab me. Elizabeth kept nagging on about the issue in Ireland, Mm -hmm. and Essex was friends with Bacon, the man, and Bacon also was a bit of an idiot and he said why don't you tell elizabeth that you'll go to ireland so she doesn't think that you keep wanting to send your enemies to ireland and actually you're willing to accept the post okay what would that achieve essex is like oh elizabeth loves me so much that if i say i want to go to ireland she won't send me and she'd be like oh well Ah. fair enough essex i will send one of cecil's men because now I see that you would be willing to as well. I see. He's like, oh, it's, it's not because I think Ireland's rubbish. I love Ireland. I want to be there myself, but I just can't leave court. Elizabeth sent him to Ireland. Yeah, I thought she might. <laughs> the way it went down was basically they wanted a guy called Mountjoy to go. And Essex then was like, wait, competition, but I want to be the best. And started advocating for himself to be sent to Ireland, even though he didn't want to go, <laughs> just because he didn't want other people to be like above him. Better at going to Ireland than him. Yes. And so she sent him to Ireland. She was like, okay, great. If you want to go so much. He went to Ireland. He lost quite a lot of battles. Mm. I couldn't really find a lot of information on them. And 
to be honest, I couldn't really be bothered because they're not that interesting. Tyrone took pity on him, it seems, and said, oh, please, can we have a parlay? And we'll just have a little chat. Yeah, oh, that's nice. So Essex goes to this meeting and he agreed a truce with Mm -hmm. Tyrone, which you would think is all great and lovely. But the entire Mm. time he's been in Ireland, he's been ignoring Elizabeth's messages. Oh, no. He even sent one of his friends back to England to be like, listen, Elizabeth, I know he's ignoring you, but it's what he's doing and this is what's happening. And she was like, I am the queen. So did Elizabeth not consent to this parley? No. And he agreed a treaty with an Irish rebel. Oh, my God. That he didn't have permission to be making a treaty with. He Mm. shouldn't have doing it the way they saw it was that he was basically fraternizing with the rebels at this point well yeah there's another fun point of this where he found out that cecil got a job he wanted and threatened to take the english army out of ireland back to england to fight robert cecil so to have a civil war i love that he thought that the army were that loyal to him specifically as well like if he's like okay guys Forget this whole Irish war. This person got my job! And then they'll just... Exactly. (laughs) Wow. And just you wait, because he continues to think this. So he makes the treaty, he's not allowed, and then he is like, oh, this isn't going well for me, and Elizabeth's angry with me, and I think she's going to be more angry with me because I've just done this thing. So he hurries back to England because he wants to explain all of his failures to Elizabeth before someone else could. Okay, reasonable. So he races back to England, a guy from Cecil's faction sees him arrive and he's like, whoa, I'm going to go tell the Queen that you're here before you can tell the Queen and there's going to be drama. So they're like galloping on their little horses trying to get there first and the Cecil guy gets there first and goes to tell Cecil and Cecil's like, don't worry about it and then just stays in his office oh lucky for Essex Essex in a state of disarray he's covered in mud Mm. probably blood from the battlefield bursts into Elizabeth's private bedchamber whoa where she's in a state of undress oh no no makeup no wig and she's with her ladies in waiting getting ready for the day Essex is like hey Elizabeth let me tell you this and she's like I'm naked please leave so they meet up for dinner Elizabeth is like the Privy Council needs to hear what you've done in Ireland because Mm. it is a mess yeah so they have a Privy Council meeting to discuss Essex's antics in Ireland making a truce with the rebels which only lasted six weeks so it's not even like a good truce no the privy council decide to place essex under house arrest okay because he can't be trusted and some people were thinking that he'd returned from ireland victorious and he was getting letters like oh good job in ireland like lots of love and he was reading them like oh no i did a horrible job in ireland and probably like weeping into the letter then elizabeth had him brought up in front of the council in the star chamber which is so game of thrones yeah i was gonna say that sounds like too much fantasy but like cool yeah and it was declared that he had mismanaged the irish operations he had made a disgraceful treaty with tyrone and he had returned to england contrary to the express orders from elizabeth 
Yeah, that sounds completely that, fair. That was what they said. And he was kept under house arrest and he had a monopoly on sweet wines, which was taken away from him. Elizabeth, because she's a Tudor, was yeah. like, I don't think this is enough of a punishment. Nope. And she organised a fun little event mm. where Essex was made to kneel before um, a bunch of men um, where they lectured him about what he'd done wrong for 11 Aww. hours. Oh my god. That's yeah. such a bizarre punishment. Yeah. But also, and, like, uh, the ultimate humiliation. Like, no, I'm not going to behead you like you're an actual threat. I'm just going to treat you like a five-year-old who's done something stupid. And then he was, he was made to apologise afterwards. That was his initial issue. Right. Essex was like, this has all gone horribly wrong for yeah. me. What a mess. So he got in contact with Mountjoy, the guy who was originally going to go to Ireland in oh, his yes. place. Uh, Elizabeth's now sending Mountjoy to Ireland. And Mountjoy, who also seems to be an idiot, says, mm. shall we write to James up in Scotland, the Scottish king, yeah. son of Mary, Queen of Scots, who Elizabeth beheaded. So, you know, oh. not in the best he, position. James I goes on to become the first steward, right? Yes. Hey, and... <laughs> go you <laughs> i did geography guys <laughs> so um they write to james to say mm. please join forces with us we need to protect your inheritance of the throne because the cecils don't want you and james is like oh, i don't know guys basically trying not to get caught in a plot against the queen because his mum was murdered by her Essex. Now, I don't know any of the planning that led up to this, but Essex, his friends, who had fabulous names, um, Sir Gelly Merrick was one. Henry Cuff, not so good, but like Gelly Merrick. They gather in Essex's house, and Gelly is all like, I don't like how Elizabeth has been treating you. I am gonna stir some things up and so it's like the classic girl sleepover punish the ex thing yes right exactly he goes down to the lord chamberlain's men Mm. william shakespeare's lads yes indeed and he says please will you put on a play of richard the second to remind the public that a monarch can be deposed excuse me now this is not the plan we like elizabeth but not gelly and elizabeth here's my elizabeth quote said i am richard the <gasps> second drama and yeah. elizabeth is saying hey lads i'm not falling for any of this i know that you've put this play on to make me feel scared oh so she's like oh yes that's the parallel yes she's what like okay okay boys well done you've made your point now i see i'm still the queen so essex and around 200 to 300 soldiers began gathering at Essex House. I don't know how he got them no. because it wasn't like Facebook. But Especially if it's like kind of secret. Just yeah. two or 300 soldiers just kind of... <laughs> well, the court knew. Ah, okay. They were watching all of these little soldiery men and also Essex like sneaking to the market to buy like a spear. <laughs> like they knew. So Essex was ordered to attend the council 
they were like hey Essex would you mind just popping in for a second we just want to have a chat so Essex was like I'm not gonna go because they're gonna arrest me and so mm. four counsellors came to Essex house to be like hey Essex how are you doing they were captured by Essex's men all of his followers were like let's kill these guys and Essex oh, was no. like "Ooh." so he wasn't trying to start a rebellion but he well, was just trying to protect himself which went against everything i don't think that you gather two to three hundred <laughs> soldiers in your house if you're not mm. trying to start something it's a good point it's a good point go on i think he basically wanted these guys to rescue elizabeth from the cecils but i, I don't know see. whether that was what he told people afterwards that he was doing they all got really hyper about capturing these four men and they flooded out of Essex house and they were like, where are we going to go? And Essex was like, to the city. And then they like marched up to London. They entered the city through Ludgate. The council had sent word to the street preachers beforehand and had said, everyone stay inside and don't listen to Essex. <laughs> <laughs> and so people, like they saw him coming and they like closed their shutters against oh. him. So Essex was walking through the streets of London shouting, for the Queen, for the Queen, the crown is sold to the Spaniards. A plot <laughs> is laid for my life. I don't understand what his problem with Spain was. I think it's because they were Catholic at the time and okay. England wasn't. I also don't know why he thought people were going to kill him. Maybe because he was called to court. Yeah, he seems like quite a paranoid sort of fella. Yeah. So and then again, he, he'd also like really screwed up. At this point, this is him being like, I am going to rescue Elizabeth from the Cecils oh. and then she will love me. I don't get why he thought raising an army against her <laughs> would make her fancy him. I, I don't know. It seems to be a weirdly common thing in this era and, and I don't know why they didn't learn. A bit of advice for anyone listening out there. If you to get to fancy, the dating game. Yeah, if you fancy a girl and she's not being massively interested, don't raise an army against her and march through London with them towards her house. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that's accurate. As he walked down Cheapside, all men could see that he was in desperation. The oh. sweat poured from his face, which contorted Ooh. with horror. He knew it at last. He was ruined. His whole life had crashed to pieces in this hideous fiasco. Another oh, quote boy. from Lytton. Essex again tried to run away when he realised that things were against him. From his own stampede. His own stampede. It was going badly because basically the bishop had got involved now and he had oh, no. gathered soldiers and townspeople to yeah. put chains across the walkways so Essex can get through. His men charged and they lost and so because there was a chain in the way. And also <laughs> just, the Bishop oh of London. Yeah, which... you know it's bad when the Bishop gets involved. <laughs> you know it's bad when a Bishop gets involved is not a good quote. Some people like no, Bishops. If the Bishop is against you and the Bishop wields a lot of power over the capital city, that is bad. That is bad. So Essex tried to run away back to Essex House. He got in a boat and rode mm -hmm. himself back to Essex House. He then barricaded himself into his house with some of his soldiers. I and think the rest of them were just in the streets like, ah, oh, yeah. Essex? Oh no. <laughs> I think he left most of them in London with the bishop against them and oh. they all got arrested and put in yeah. prison. He barricaded himself inside Essex House. The mm. Lord Admiral came along and was like, knock, knock, knock. And Essex was like, you're not allowed in, you're the Admiral. Yeah, and the Admiral okay. said, if you don't come out, I'm going to blow up your house. And he said, I would have done it earlier, but I thought there might be women inside. 
So, what's convinced her that there are now no women inside? I don't know. Maybe they all okay. ran away. A steady stream of women were coming out of like one of the windows. <laughs> and just figured that's, that's probably all of them. That's probably all the women out of Essex House. And now I'm going to threaten to blow. Yeah, as opposed to coming through the window and get Essex. That's effort, isn't it? Well, the thing is, let's not criticise the Lord Admiral, who may or may not have seen a stream of women <laughs> leaving the house. Yeah, I guess we can't base our knowledge of a man on his maybe having seen a stream of women. Yeah, that we've made up the stream of women. <laughs> there probably weren't a stream of women. And probably I don't not. even know, based on the facts that Lytton has given me previously, whether he even said the thing about the women. Oh, I do hope so. He was like, okay, don't blow up my house. I'll hmm. come out. And he was taken to the Tower of London. Uh... Elizabeth signed his death warrant. Oh no. And then she was like, oh, don't kill him. <laughs> And then she was like, oh, I know, I've got to kill him. Okay, kill him. Which she did before as well. She'd like sign things, death warrants, and she'd be like, okay, kill them. And then five seconds later, she'd be like, no, no, no. I changed my mind. And then she'd be like, okay, no, I guess I it's a rebel. She'd, she'd send like a, I'm really sorry, cupcake and a noose. Probably. Or she was probably just like, do kill them after all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, we can't theorise based on hypothetical cupcakes, but she might <laughs> also, have done it. I love the idea of the executioner being like, okay, Elizabeth, <laughs> once I've done this, it's no done. Take so are you sure? And she's like, yes, kill them. And she's like, wait a second, no, don't. I just like the idea of that. Yeah, it would be, God, imagine how stressful it would be being the executioner. Because also imagine if she's like, kill them. And then you like, whoop, and then their head's gone. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, wait, you know that no. Guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, ooh, um... Can try and glue their head back on, man, but... Essex was executed in private as mm. per his request um, at the Tower of London. He did a little speech where he was like, oh, I'm really sorry for what I've done. Mm. And yes, I did do it, but I didn't want to kill the Queen, just so you all know. And he also said that he was a very sinful man, which... <laughs> yeah, he was all like... that card. Quote from Essex... I think he said something like, I've done more sins in my life than I have hairs on my head. So. Blimey. Yeah, but they thought like, I don't know, sneezing was a sin. Yeah, that's true. He wore red, wore uh -huh. a little red outfit, which Mary Queen of Scots also wore red. And it's the colour of Catholic martyrs. I don't think he was a Catholic martyr. No. Um, I think he was probably misguided in why he was wearing red. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was just like, I've seen the head choppings and yeah. oh, that seems to be quite a red do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a red do. I think the theme is generally <laughs> red. And then I've written in my notes, three wax and he was dead. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's the life of Robert Devereux. Fascist. He fascinates me. He, having, yeah, having heard all that, I agree with your diagnosis of massive idiot. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about Grigory Rasputin, who many of you will probably know from the song, from the legend from the mad monk with the weird starey eyes and the yucky neck beard. He was quite a big cheese in Russia. He was born to an illiterate farming family in a Siberian peasant village in 1869, so quite humble origins. But from his childhood, he claimed to have healing powers and to be able to see visions of the future. Um, I love that for him. I know, he's straight away, he's like, well, I'm, I've not got, I don't know if this was his thought process, again. I, he's, we know all their know, thoughts. Yeah. 
he's not educated. His family, fun fact, were known for being horse thieves, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> he's like, what can I do? The occult's quite in right now. I can do it all. Skip forward a little bit. 1887. He marries. He has three kids. After a little while, I think he's 28 at the time, he decides to go off and be a monk because he thinks that's what he's for. It's not like marriage anymore. So he starts studying at St. Nicholas Monastery. But after a while of that, he realises he doesn't want to be an Orthodox monk. So he decides to walk home through the Siberian woods with, you know, bears and wolves and cold. And not much is known about what he did in his wandering. There was about three years where he's sort of unaccounted for. He presumably finds a people called the Kilusks, who were a, a, a sex cult, an offshoot of Russian Orthodox Church, who believed that they could only achieve salvation through sinning. So basically what they would do was they'd have big old dance parties and when they felt drunk with the Holy Spirit, they'd have an orgy. Is this true? It's speculated by most historians, according to a source. Um, <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> no, it's not Wikipedia. It's YouTube. But you know what? I, I found this in several places, so I'm going to believe it. Either way, what's for sure is that in around 1900, when he returns to his own village, he starts initiating a similar sex cult himself in his dad's basement. Imagine um, your dad being like, oh, I don't want to. Rasputin, and he turns the lights on, and it's just like... <laughs> this cult welcome father he, it was apparently at this point when he returned from his wanderings um that he came back changed he had his signature scruffy beard and his starey eyes if you look at any picture of rasputin he's absolutely terrifying he's a um, scary looking man he's a scary looking man and yeah he starts his own cult where he has sex with the congregation in his dad's basement and a lot of cults are based off of that aren't they yeah if you're wondering if you're in a cult mm. if the head priest guy is like every night everyone sleeps with the head priest guy yeah it's probably a cult around 1904 he gets a dream where the virgin mary goes the royal family needs you and he wakes up and goes oh i guess the royal family need me and he goes to st petersburg where in 1905 he is introduced to tsar nicholas ii and tsarina alexandra his wife they have a son called alexei who has haemophilia which is being kept a secret, which makes them really fear for his life, obviously, because um, haemophilia, for anyone who doesn't know, is when your blood has trouble clotting. And in 1906, Alexandra hires Rasputin to help using his magic healing powers. Long story short, Alexei kind of ends up getting better. There are a few instances. It's all a bit back and forth. He, he gets banished briefly by the Tsar. Rasputin um, or Alexei? Rasputin. Not right. Ale yeah, Alexei's cool. You have a son who's got a medical condition <laughs> and you're like, banish him. Alexei, I'm kind of sick of you. Go away. <laughs> but we'll keep Rasputin here because we really like his beard. <laughs> He's like the family pet. Rasputin is, is briefly banished and sends some letters back and forth to Alexandra, who's still very much under his thrall, but he keeps being called back because Alexei keeps getting cuts, as you do when you're a child. And every time he manages to save him, which is probably because he stopped Alexei from taking aspirin. But Rasputin was very happy to put that down to his being a magic healing man. He was also at this time heavily rumoured to be the lover of the Russian queen. Hence the, the song. Hence the song. Uh, since the haemophilia was a secret and so publicly people were just seeing this guy being the new confidant of uh, Tsarina Alexandra and putting two and two together. Yeah, throughout this time, Rasputin was continuing with his sex cult stuff, which was now kind of more among the nobility. Women would gather in his chambers to hear him speak. He, once he had leverage over the royal family, having helped with Alexei's haemophilia, he 
most probably had access to Alexandra and possibly their daughters, which is horrific. And he was very, very popular among the people who believed in his miracles. Quite a lot of people started genuinely fearing that he was the devil. That is a reputation. He didn't help with that perception of himself because he wrote in his diary that he was in an ongoing battle with the devil and what he would do to try and make sure that he succeeded in this battle was to deliberately expose himself to sort of sinful situations and let the dark side out and then overcome it which was basically an excuse for him to beat up a lot of prostitutes he was believed to be the devil by some others thought he was the second coming of christ there was a woman who actually lived with him for a while convinced that he was christ and then she ended up in a mental asylum he also claimed kisses as payments horrible blackmailing the royal family obviously and to do whatever he wanted and he didn't wash at all which is a choice for yourself, but when your job is sleeping with people, personal hygiene maybe would help. He bragged apparently about wearing the same pants for six months. Just a really, not only a horrible guy, also weird. This man, basically his job is to take his pants off. And yet not once does he, because if you're like, oh, well, you know, I only really have a wee. So it's not like I take them off that much. So it's quite easy to keep them on. But his <laughs> job is point. taking them off. So in no point was he like, I've taken them off now. So maybe I should put some new ones on. See, I think that was seen as a part of his charm. I'm actually going to put a picture of Rasputin next to my computer so that I can look at him while you tell me about him. Okay, I think, yeah. I feel that would help. But yeah, so his abuse of women in particular didn't go unnoticed. Two head priests in St. Petersburg cornered him one time. He was not very popular among the religious community because he hadn't completed his training as a monk. He was going around saying he was Jesus. He's doing a lot of things that you shouldn't do. So yeah, two head priests in St. Petersburg, they corner him and they say he's just the best intervention ever. I'm not sure exactly what they were trying to achieve. What they do they grab his penis and they scream <laughs> that he's the antichrist and then they get a crucifix and start just kind of bashing him around with it a bit the monks have gone for an approach no one should ever go for yes obviously you should never grab people's areas without their express consent it is a really interesting intervention um unfortunately it didn't make rasputin have a think he just went and told the tsarina and she was like well banish those monks and they did. So not a lot came of it. This is where we get to the first assassination attempt on um, Grigory Rasputin. In July 1914, a priest called Ilador, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing all these names, thought he was the devil, as many people did. So he sent a prostitute to stab Rasputin in the gut, which she does. Um, she really does. She stabs him and then like pulls his intestines out a bit and then runs off. That's um, a nightmare. It is a bit of a nightmare. He's fine. He goes to hospital. They stitch him up. He's all good. In August of that same year, so this is in 1914, World War I breaks out. And he is convalescing and he writes to the Tsar like, oh, we shouldn't have a war, which, I mean, he's right about that. It's the only and good thing Rasputin said so Yeah, the only good thing Rasputin's ever done. The Tsar goes to war anyway. So then Rasputin writes to him like, oh, well, why don't you take charge of the Russian troops? Which he does, leaving Zarina Alexandra in charge which is basically just leaving Rasputin in charge. He's out of hospital by this point, 1915 now. He's just pulling the strings of Russia, basically, and people are starting to cotton on to this. In 1916, the Duma, which is the state assembly, it's kind of like a lower form of government, a guy called Vladimir Purushkovich says that Rasputin is a puppet master and Russia is under his manipulative influence and he needs to be stopped. In November of that year, Alexandra's nephew-in-law, bearing in mind Rasputin is aware that people are starting to dislike him, and he says to Alexandra, if anyone in your family kills me, I'm gonna put a curse on you that will last two years. Like, it was weird. It wasn't forevermore. Cut to November 1916. Alexandra's nephew-in-law, 
Felix Yusupov conspires with Paviskovich, who is the guy who declaimed him as a puppet master in the Duma, and also a guy called Pavlovich. There we are. Uh, to oh. murder Rasputin. They basically oh, think that Alexandra, who is German-born, has been swayed by Rasputin and the two of them are planning on making peace with Germany. Everything that comes after this, we only really know from Yusupov's account. So he may have been elaborating on things. The other two conspirators also kind of weighed in. But again, just, just bear that in mind. We don't have an objective witness in this, really. Okay. Yes. December 29th into the morning of December 30th. 1916. It's 12.30am <laughs> and Yusupov collects Rasputin from his, you know, house and he goes, oh, my wife Irina, you know, my really hot wife Irina. Rasputin's like, yeah, 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 she's hot. And, uh, and Yusupov goes, wow, she's a nymphomaniac and she needs your healing touch. Do you want to come to my basement? Now, Rasputin's past in basements hasn't been good. His future in well, basements been- will not be good. It's been um, positive for him. It's been positive so for him. I guess it's a bit of karma, really. But yeah, he happily goes to this basement where he, he's got some cakes and wine set out, all nice. of which are heavily laced with cyanide. The other two conspirators, so Pavlovich and Parishkovich, are waiting upstairs where they've put on a record because Irina is not home and they want to convince Rasputin that she is home, but she's entertaining upstairs, so she'll come down later. Is this a record of music or is it her voice being like, oh, what a lovely <laughs> evening we're having? No, I wish it with that. I can tell you what it was, actually. It was I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy by George M. Cohen. Okay. So there are three cakes. There are two glasses of wine. All of them heavily laced with cyanide. Rasputin initially is like, ah, no, I don't really want a cake. I'm not much of a sweet tooth. And so Yusupov briefly runs upstairs and is like, oh, Rasputin's not eating. I don't know what to do. He was like, go down, go down. So he goes back down. Rasputin's like, change my mind. I'm eating the cake. So it was quite an easy one. He's got the the crumbs in his beard. Yeah, he's just like, what were you doing? Nothing happens. Bearing in mind, cyanide is supposed to have immediate effect. Yusupov's like, it's okay. We'll just, we'll start on the wine. Once he's got the wine in his system as well, he's got to go. Right. He drinks the wine to big ass glasses of wine nothing happens they chat I, at one point Rasputin spots a guitar and is like oh Yusupov do you play guitar can you give us a melody such a good time he's just having a lovely little night at this point it's about 2.30 in the morning Rasputin is fine and Yusupov is still playing the frigging guitar so he's like look I, I need to go upstairs he goes up he gets a pistol so this is like you know when someone's around your house and you're yeah. kind of expecting them just to come for a couple of hours oh and, and then they, they just won't go that's exactly it only going is being dead in this instance he won't die the frustration is so real in this account it yeah it's pavlovich's pistol he's like mate i just he won't die give me a pistol takes the pistol returns downstairs Uh, rasputin when he comes downstairs he's admiring a nice little ebony cabinet he's got to his there's so much stuff in this basement i know it's a nice basement he's having it refurbished is rasputin not like hey i came to see your wife I've been here for two hours. Yeah, just wondering. I, you would think, I guess he's just having such a nice time with the cake and the wine and the nice music. That, um, you know, <laughs> it's I mean, a date. To him, it's, he's been a great host. Not so much in a moment. Yusupov goes, look at the crucifix and pray to it and shoots him in the chest. At which point it becomes fairly clear to Rasputin that he's not <laughs> here, presumably for, for dinner. And so he collapses, he convulses, and then he lies still. The conspirators yeah. check on him. They're like, he's dead. Yusupov remarked, that creature has swallowed enough cyanide to kill a regiment. Others say there was enough to kill a horde of elephants. I think that's an exaggeration and also not very specific. 
but there was yeah. a lot of cyanide who has um, cyanided so many elephants that they could measure they, that i know so they go upstairs and they have a drink celebrate one hour later yusupov still feeling a bit edgy let's go and check on the body goes downstairs looks at it pretty dead he shakes it there's no response he's like right okay i'm just being silly he goes to turn away rasputin's eye flickers open and he lunges at yusupov gets his hands around his throat and everything yusupov pulls free runs upstairs and is going oh my god he's still alive he's the literal devil somebody help Perishkovich hears this commotion and runs downstairs into the basement rasputin's gone he's halfway across the courtyard <laughs> He's just running. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's just running. According to Perishkovich, as he's doing this, he's going, Felix, Felix, I'll tell everything to the Tsarina. <laughs> so he's just goading them. Again, I love that. We only have their report for this. And I don't know well, yeah. why Rasputin would say this when he's still, he's very much not out of firing range. But supposedly this is what happened. Well, also, I've just looked up the symptoms of cyanide poisoning. Yeah. And it's like nausea, headache like yeah. lethargy and then it's like cardiac arrest so it's, even it's if, very quick as well well but even if it wasn't because i was thinking like oh well you know he's a i was gonna say if he's a big guy he's not as big <laughs> as a whole entire army regiment but still <laughs> like you know if he's a bigger guy it might work slower on him yeah but if he's like skipping across a courtyard <laughs> having also been shot like it's just <laughs> yeah, oh, that. it's a whole lot of impossible so Perishkovich shoots after him twice he misses he shoots twice more and he hits him both times once in the back once in the head so he's now right. been shot in the chest the back and the head and he's consumed enough cyanide to apparently kill a regiment he should be he's dead. pretty dead except that he's not he starts to crawl away <laughs> image not of a man who's been shot trying to crawl this man rasputin he won't die he starts to crawl (laughs) away you you by this point catches up as does pavlovich they start beating rasputin with iron bars until he's bloodied and senseless they're like okay he is for sure dead we've shot him three times he's had so much cyanide and now we've bludgeoned him with iron bars he has to be dead they bind his limbs with rope they wrap him in a heavy cloth they throw the body off a bridge and into the Nevka River. They're like, Jesus Christ, that was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. Let's all go home and, and just try and forget about this. Yeah, the next morning, the body is found. He's dead. They get an autopsy. The autopsy reveals water in his lungs. He died from drowning in the river after having been shot three times, all the cyanide and being beaten to death. Aside from the cyanide, which... Yeah. I'm sort of like, okay, well, he should have died from the cyanide. But aside from that, I could see how someone wouldn't die immediately from gunshot and so would still be breathing shallowly whilst in a river. But it's just so many unlikely things. It's so many. It wasn't like he was shot in the arm. He was shot in the face. According to the autopsy, so he had... um, the three bullet wounds in him confirmed he had a small amount of water in his lungs and no poison was found in his system. Yeah, what if when Rasputin was like, no, I don't want a cake, he knew they were poisoned and he knew like half was for him and half was for the other guy. And then when that guy went upstairs, a switcheroo. Now that would make a lot of sense, except that Yusupov survived World War One. One of my favourite things is sort of the way that the murderers tried to cover their tracks. Because they really tried, but they were so stupid. <laughs> so initially, like, they had plans in advance. So they went, when they said, hey, Rasputin, do you want to come to Yusupov's basement? They went, don't tell anybody. Which is suspicious <laughs> and weird. Please come to my basement, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I would tell like, people and not go. And not go, exactly. Rasputin went. 
but he did tell people. He told his daughter and another woman. They also went, oh, we'll meet him out the back door rather than the front door so people don't see him leave. Met him out the back door. The maid is watching out the window the whole time <laughs> going, oh, it's beautiful. And then they were going to call into a restaurant once they'd killed him and go, hey, um, has our friend Rasputin arrived yet? No, oh, weird, to kind of make it sound like they were expecting him to be somewhere. Um, whether or not they did that in the chaos that ensued, I don't know. Some reports <laughs> say that they dressed one of the men, I couldn't find which one it was, in Rasputin's clothes, drive back to his home, so it looks like he's returned that night. I don't know when they found time to do that. Sources differ. At the point at which Purushkovich is shooting willy-nilly into the courtyard the police obviously hear the gunshots and Perushkovich is going oh god the police have heard the gunshots what do we do and they're like just just say it was a car backfiring so Perushkovich is like yeah good plan he goes to the door and instead of doing that he goes do you know who I am I'm Perushkovich and he says Rasputin's dead and if you know what's good for you you'll shut up about it no don't yeah <laughs> and the policeman's the like yeah of course of course I'll, I'll shut up about it obviously goes and tells his superiors immediately what an idiot i know and they don't do anything about it that night but when they are looking for the body uh yusupov goes ah there's a lot of blood out in my yard where we bludgeoned him to death i know i'll Just kill a dog and put it on the blood just unnecessary he says when the police arrive he says one of my party thought it would be funny to shoot a dog they're like okay so firstly there's way too much blood for this dog secondly we heard four gunshots and thirdly your mate Perishkovich literally told us that it was him killing Rasputin last night and also would not people have heard the second lot of gunshots when he was shooting the dog so then the police are asking the neighbours <laughs> and they're like did you hear any gunshots and they're like yes we heard four last night and, and also one two this morning, this morning? by a bark so basically the end of that is there was no trial because Yusupov was the nephew of the Tsar and they wanted to just kind of hash it up a bit. Both he and Pavlovich survived World War One. I. I think Yusupov was exiled, but he was really okay. Pavlovich was sent to join the army briefly. I don't know what happened to Perishkovich, but since he literally went up to the police and went, <laughs> just shot Rasputin, shh. I can imagine that if any of them did get punished, it was probably him. <laughs> that is how Rasputin hopefully finally Ruddy died. I'm blown away. Isn't it crazy? I'm in shock. I didn't realise that most of it was all in one night and these yeah. three guys, well, four, one of them had a worse night than everyone <laughs> else. <laughs> but these three guys had a horrible night. Yeah, they four. I, my favourite bit, and again, I'm aware that someone died here, but it was a long time ago and it was an evil man, so I'm just, I'm just going with it. Just the idea that Yusupov is there in his basement, he thinks he's going to give Rasputin a cake, he's going to take a bite, he's going to be a little bit nasty for a few seconds and then it'll be over. And then two hours later, he finds himself playing Ed Sheeran on the guitar. Uh, <laughs> Rasputin's eaten all of his food and he's drunk all his nice wine and he just won't die. I think we've pretty much um, concluded. Yeah, that's got the history there. Yeah, um, that's the history. Thank you very much for listening to the Other Martha's podcast. Subscribe to our channel if you would like to hear us talk about more things that we are completely unqualified to talk about.